0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Unfiltered Podcast. I am Kevin Fielder. I am once again joined by Tommy Nowitzki, uh, Jake Mauer. I almost forgot your name there for a minute, Jake. Uh kind of wish I did. Jackson Harts and Cal Friedman. Boys, how are we doing today?
1: We're doing good. We're doing good. Um, Inter Miami got their first ever win. I know I haven't talk too much about MLS, but it's fucking four months
0: too late. But feels good. feels good. It's almost like a global pandemic happened. that's <laughs> the truth. It's almost its almost like a global pandemic that has killed 170,000 people in the U.S. Kind of just happened during the season. Just kind of, yeah, sure. sort of happened during the season. Uh, I mean, yeah, today's episode is going to be a little chill, I think. We're going to talk about the NBA because that's kind of the big thing that's happening. And then I think if we have time, we'll go to the MLB or the NHL. I don't know. We're going to kind of play it by ear here. Uh, That's kind of how I play everything nowadays. Uh, Anyone else have anything else to add before we go on to the National Basketball Association, the bubble in Orlando? I don't know. I'm trying to fill time here. Anyone have anything else to say? We're good. All right. We're good. Let's go on to the NBA. I want to start off with the Dallas uh, Mavericks-Los Angeles Clippers game that happened, I think, yesterday as we're recording this, uh, Sunday, August the 23rd. 135-133 win for the Dallas Mavericks. That Luka Doncic guy, kind of good at basketball. Uh, He finished with, uh, if I can pull this off, 43 points on 18 of 31 shooting, 13 assists, and 17 rebounds, including a last-second buzzer-beater, like, step-back 3 in the face of Reggie Jackson, I, I don't know why they didn't have Kawhi Leonard on him. I, I really don't. I, I thought that was like the obvious answer in all of this. Uh, Tommy, I was almost hoping that you'd be able to provide an answer as to why Kawhi Leonard was not on Luca like he was for 90% of the game. Um,
2: I think he was switched off. I don't remember exactly. I think Reggie Jackson was the matchup, but there was a screen that pulled Kawhi on the Maxi Kleber, I'm pretty sure. So, um, that's why Kawhi wasn't there. Uh, decent defense by Reggie Jackson, though. I'm not I'm not mad at Reggie. That was obviously an amazing shot. So, um, you know, right when it went up, I knew Luca was hitting that. Obviously, going to be in the same player. At 21, he's a top five player in the league. One of the best players in the bubble right now, obviously. So, um, I wasn't mad at that loss. Uh, we had a 21-point lead at one point. We blew it. Nice comeback in the fourth. But, you know... Luca makes that shot, and we gotta, we gotta see how to stop him in the upcoming games. And also, KP or Kristaps uh, Brazingis being out during that game, still losing—that's rough. So, um, we're running out of excuses right now. So hopefully, we figure it out because we have too many good players to be losing.
0: So I, I do want to touch on Luka Doncic for a minute, and this is gonna sound outrageous when I say it, but humor me for a second. What is it – and I get it. He's 21 years old, so this is years down the road. What is it going to take for Luka Doncic to be considered the best international player in NBA history? Um, that's a question.
1: Um, Probably not too much, honestly. Well, here's the thing. Um, I think that the, the – I mean I could be, I could be wrong when I'm saying this, but you could argue the best international player in the NBA – is, you know, he used to play with Luka. Um, I think Dirk Nowitzki made such an impact because of how revolutionary he was for European players. Um, You know, after he he was drafted, he got so... You know, it wasn't necessarily the fact that he was... He was unbelievable, don't get me wrong, but it was the influence that he had on top of that. I mean, if you look at Luka, he is doing stuff that not a lot of people... Like, I think a stat that I saw today was like the third 45-15-10 triple-double in playoff history ever. I think the only other guys to do that were, like, Oscar Robertson and someone else who played in the 80s. I can't remember this stat off the top of my head. But, I mean, if he can press on the way he's been playing um, throughout this bubble and throughout the next three or four years of his career, I mean, he's not far off. It's ridiculous how good he is.
0: I just think, like, the the, the reason I asked this question is because, you know, you look at the people who are considered the top international players of all time. You have Dirk Nowitzki. Nurk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki who won a championship with Dallas. You have Hakeem Olajuwon, who won a championship with Houston. You technically have Tim Duncan, who won multiple championships with San Antonio. He was born in the Virgin Islands. So that is a very – it's almost if you say just non-U.S. born, like continental U.S. or Hawaii Alaska born players. But does Luka have to win a championship to even be considered in the same realm as a guy like Hakeem or a guy like Dirk?
2: Um, I'm going to say yes. Uh, he has a lot of years to obviously win a championship. It's probably not happening this year, but he's only 21. And he, we're already having this conversation, which is obviously great for him. So I think a championship is uh, it would definitely help him. But if he never wins one and he's doing stuff like he does this year, uh, I don't think that should prohibit him from being known as one of the best international players ever.
0: I I just feel like at some point like you have to win a championship if the guys around – like the guys you're being compared to do because it's not like we're trying to say that he's not a great basketball player because he obviously is. And at 21, the things he's doing is insane and it's almost like kind of breaking this this NBA that we know because he's not athletic. He's not fast. He's not great on defense. What he does is he's so methodical with the ball. He kind of knows – he knows where defenders are going to be before they're even there. And it helps a lot in terms of him creating space and creating lanes and his playmaking ability is unmatched. But I like at some point, you have to win a championship, right? I mean even – or at least at some point, you have to make the NBA finals. I mean because if you're constantly a second-round exit or a third or like a Western Conference finals exit, can you be considered the best international player of all time? Especially when a guy like Dirk made two NBA finals. He won one with a team that probably shouldn't have been in the NBA Finals and was as revolutionary as he was to the game of basketball internationally and just overall to the game of basketball with his shooting ability, his touch. I I think at some point you have to make the NBA Finals at least.
3: Absolutely. I feel like if you are going to be regarded as the greatest international player of all time, you at least have to win or make it. I feel like he will at least several times, but... Until he wins or at least makes it consecutively, um, I don't think you could call him the best international player yet. But what he's doing right now is insane. Just the numbers he's putting up all around, the shot, um, what he's doing with this Mavericks team, Trey Burke is their starting point guard, like, and <laughs> they're right? tied to two with the, but the one, the, the Clippers, like you know. So he's he's very special, but I think until. Um, he wins a final or, again, makes it consecutive, consistently. Um, you can't call him the greatest international player.
0: I want to touch on a player on the other side as well. Uh, Paul George, playoff P, pandemic P. <laughs> <laughs> God, we've got so many games for him. Man. Today was, I think the best way to put it, was a terrible game. Uh, nine points on three of 14 shooting, one for seven from three. Uh, eight rebounds, three assists, and four personal fouls. I feel like at some what point... Plus minus? Oh, oh boy. There, here comes the jokes, because I said once Probably that like Bam had a bio with a good plus minus. Uh, he had a plus minus of... He was a negative two. Quiet Leonard was actually a negative 13. Well, anyways... Uh, well, he I, put up
4: 40 yeah, he points. He
0: also put up 40 points. That was the only reason they were even in the game for half the game. But... I Don't just want to ask, like, if you're not getting the performance out of Paul George, and we can go into how bad of a trade it was on paper and the fact that you give up Shea Gilchrist-Alexander and you give up, what, three first-round picks and all that. But if you're not getting anything out of Paul George, what's the late, what's the Clipper ceiling? I mean, how far can they truly go if you're not getting any kind of consistent performance out of Paul George?
1: I mean, this offseason's huge for them because um, you really have to decide what you're going to do with this team because – what am I trying to say? Montres Harrell, who also was really quiet today. Um, he's on an expiring contract, and he is on one of the best value for money. Con- I think a lot of people could say it's the best value for money. The fact that he's making, what, $5 million right now? Probably probably a little more than that, but still very cheap money for a sixth man of the year candidate. He's going to want a bag this offseason from a lot of teams that are you know sub-500 looking for an impact player down low. And the Clippers, if they lose him and aren't able to replace him, you're already looking at you know, years off this potential window um, and with this whole playoff George, playoff ball George thing.
0: Pandemic I just two? want to ask
1: this. Uh, Pacers and Thunder fans, he's still better than Jimmy Butler? I never thought he was. <laughs> he's, not, he's not looked it. I, I discussed it in either week – Um, Episode 1 or Episode 2, the guys had so many game winners on this guy in clutch games. Today, he was terrible. He's been terrible for pretty much the whole series outside of Game 1. I mean, I don't know what it is with this trade.
0: I don't know what it is with Paul George, but something's not right. I just think, like, at some point, we have to question, can they even afford Montrezl Harrell? Because I'm just looking through their cap space now, and this is a very— like rude way, crude way to do it because this has really no impact on what trades they could make or you know how can they how they can manipulate the cap excuse oh, me but you have Paul George on 33 35 million dollars you have Kawhi Leonard on 32 34 million dollars you have Patrick Beverly being paid 13 million dollars a year. Lou Wills on eight million dollars a week, uh, year Avika Zubax on seven Rodney Magruder's on five million for some reason I think someone needs to explain that one to me um and then you have Landry Schmidt on his rookie deal. You have uh, Cabin Gelly on his rookie deal, and you have Terrence Mann on his rookie deal. So, uh, if Montrezl Harrell demands the max, which he likely will, and he'll likely deserve. Whoa,
2: whoa! I'm Wait, sorry. Really the, max. the max contract. If you hit max. free
0: agency,
1: if 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 you hit free agency,
0: you're gonna probably get the max if you're as good as Montrez nah. Harold is.
1: I, will, I think it's a little steep. But... If Montrez Harrell gets the max, or even if
4: have the max.
0: Yeah, so, Tobias Harris got the bro, max. Al Horford right. got That's near the different. max. Montres I mean, Herald's
2: not getting a max contract. Yeah, I don't think he is. Okay, promises. but even
0: He'll even if he doesn't, though. even if he doesn't get the max yeah. per se, but if he's getting paid he's twenty million dollars, twenty five million dollars a year, which again he deserves that. Let's not get this twisted. The six man candidate who has become such an important piece to the Clippers, he absolutely deserves that. Can the Clippers afford that? I mean, can we sit here and say that they can afford that in the long term? probably not no. uh
4: i just want to say um, something yeah. uh, um for the clippers to keep this like window like for as long as possible they really i don't know like what team would take them they really need to look into trading paul george but i what, I, I think
0: just no team's gonna take him on that 35 million I
4: but I, I they need to look into it maybe a team will take him you never know i just the i the way to keep this window open longer then i mean the Knicks probably would take him but yeah, what yeah, what are don't. we getting back from
2: the Knicks to trade on Paul George? That third place. Kevin on the Knox. <laughs> you can get Kevin honestly, Knox. Honestly, in the back. Kevin you, Knox is probably making more shots. What do you, what do you want? What do you, what do you want from the Knicks? The pick. Three first rounders. Um, honestly, 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 if you Barrett. give us three first rounders and your entire roster, <laughs> I'm probably saying no.
0: <laughs> I like I think that's also well, no, important. We have good, no, we have good picks because
3: we suck. So I mean, like, <laughs> I I'll, I'll, I'll take three first rounders and Frank. No, you no no no, no. Frank's on untu- time. No, I I love Frank. We can't. Yeah, we can't make Sorry. Frank, Frank Barrett and Mitch are the three guys I'm not trade. Maybe I wouldn't trade <laughs> Frank. Well, <laughs> I would, no I would, hold, hold on, way. I would trade Mitch. No, I would trade Frank for certain players. I wouldn't trade Frank for Paul George. Paul oh, George, so
0: are you insane? Okay. Damn, okay. Let's let's, let's
3: act three like first Paul and George. Frank. No way okay let's not act like paul george was not
2: third place in mvp voting last year obviously a terrible year this year terrible playoff performance but he was a top 10 player in the nba yeah, last like, year this year he's probably top 30 it's
0: obviously it's important to know it's important to note that up until this year we know what paul george is he is a great defender he's a great scorer and he's got a lot of and when he's playing on his game he's one of the best players in the nba So, like, he's not going to be traded for a cap dump. He's going to be traded for pieces that they can use to recoup some kind of roster depth or some kind of ability and try to fill the hole of Paul George because he's going to fill a hole. Like, you have to try to fill that hole.
4: What team would take him? I I can personally. Paul Paul George is not being traded. We shouldn't even discuss it. Yeah, no. Like,
0: I, I don't even know if there's a team that would take him because I don't think he'll ever be traded.
2: I don't think we should trade Paul George, especially at this point. At his worst, we're not getting much for Paul George. I never liked the trade in the first place. Sorry. I never liked the the trade in the first place. I know the trade was also for Kawhi, but obviously I said it at the time, we would have been in a much better spot if we never trade for Paul George and Kawhi can. Honestly, honestly, the Kawhi deal, if we didn't have to make that trade, I'd consider not taking on Kawhi. Because but, our future was so bright.
0: I mean, yeah, um, but the future it's being a rough, so bright it's a
1: terrible, screen, really.
0: The future being so bright was really dependent on what Shea on how Shea develops and how those picks hit. I mean, when when you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard even offering to come, you do whatever it takes to get him. And this was the same conversation we had when we were discussing Paul George's fit in LA. It was not really for Paul George, it was for Kawhi Leonard. And if you look at that trade, you take away Paul George you do that trade for Kawhi Leonard any day of the week, no? I mean, I'm Agreed. not insane to think I, I that. I would, yeah. So, I know, but it's just rough. It's, it's also like it's, it's, it's important to realize that you got to keep Kawhi Leonard happy. Just because he's on your team now does not mean two years from now when his contract expires he's still on the team. So, like, you've got to try to keep him happy. And if he's happy with Paul George, shit, you got to keep him. Because the whole goal has to be to keep a guy like him happy. I mean –
1: I got to say one last quick thing on the Clippers.
0: Yeah. Um, One last quick thing and we'll move on to another game that happened today.
1: So we're talking about guys that should be traded. Like we're talking about how Paul George might potentially get traded if if this form continues. Um, I love this guy. Tommy loves this guy. He's very bipolar. Just say Pat Bell. If if you want to build a team like this and you want to compete for a title, you cannot pay Patrick Beverly the amount of money he's getting. He is a great player for what he does. And what he does is not worth three years at $40 million. And there's not going to be any teams that really yeah, trade no for him. Yeah, no team's taking
0: him for that. I
1: disagree. I know. that's a It's a problem.
0: No like, no team's yeah, taking an energy it. guy for $15 million when the value is probably going to be a first-round pick as well or some kind of young piece. Like, I mean, if it costs a second-round pick to take on that contract, then maybe you consider it. But it's not going to. They're no, going to ask for a lot.
2: Too. I, I think you're wrong. I think he's worth it. <laughs> All
0: right. I uh, look. I I think that it's it's really just like kind of those cards are in the ho- uh, the hands of the holder almost. So I want to move on to the other Western Conference game today, and that was the here. Let me pull up the scores because I was watching this game, and then honestly, kind of didn't pay attention until the last like three minutes of it. The Utah Jazz defeated the Denver Nuggets one hundred twenty nine to one hundred twenty seven on the back of Donovan Mitchell's 51 fucking points because Donovan Mitchell just does this every single day. Cal, you wanted to start on this. I don't really have any topics for this yet, so just I think maybe we'll just let you talk. Um, I want to issue an apology.
1: Episode 2 of the podcast, when we were going back and predicting this series. I said Denver would win in 5. I said <laughs> for good. some reason the Jazz never showed up for these kinds of series. They've shown up, and I really want to say I'm sorry for that. Um, The Nuggets are struggling with some injuries, and we'll touch on that. But when you have Donovan Mitchell dropping 57-51 and in the first two games, uh, Mike Conley is playing out of his mind. He's playing his best um, basketball that he's been in a Jazz jersey because he's really struggled during the regular season. Played unbelievable today. And then Jordan Clarkson has been unbelievable off the bench in this series. Um, outside of Game 3, he's been fantastic. He had 18, 26, and 24. All really efficient shooting. Just hats off to Utah.
0: I was uh, I, I was looking at this, and... Excuse me. Overall, the Utah Jazz had 31 bench points. Jordan Clarkson accounted for 24 of those 31 bench points. Tony Bradley had 2, and then George Niang had 5. This game was really the Donovan Mitchell show and just get out of his way and let him do Donovan Mitchell things. So I, I think actually I do have a question for this. How good is Donovan Mitchell? I mean, let's, let's, let's take into account just everything that he brings to the team and let's go. How good is he right now? I mean, if you were to rank him on a list of top, whatever players, where does he, where does he fit? Um,
2: uh, to me, the top seven shooting guard, I have him right behind, Devin Booker, uh, obviously shown now in the playoffs. But once somebody stops Donovan Mitchell, um, that team is not going anywhere. Obviously, the Nuggets really don't have stoppers right now, so Donovan Mitchell is just blowing by. Once they face like a real team, that maybe like the Clippers next round, who have lockdown guys. Obviously, we couldn't lock down Luca today, but there's a better defensive team all around. Donovan really only has a few ways of scoring, and I feel like it's easy to be stopped compared to somebody like Devin Booker. Like, Donovan in the paint is where he really gets most of his points. So if you have a guy like... Obviously, Rudy's on his team, but a guy like Rudy Gobert in that paint, I think it kind of decreases the value of Donovan Mitchell. I
0: I don't know, necessarily, because... At times in the series, Denver has done a good job of taking those those dribble drives away from John Donovan Mitchell and almost creating, him, forcing him to do other things. And he's proven that he can do them. He shot four, seven from three today. He shot multiple kind of mid-range elbow pull-ups. I mean, it was just one of those things where he was able to do everything. So I, I don't know if maybe he's – I almost think he's better than – even we're giving him credit for. I think that you can make the argument that he's like a top four shooting guard in the league. I I think you can. I, I, I Maybe I'm just missing some guys, but James Harden is obviously up there. You have – I mean who else do you really have though? Look, I could say Luka, Beal.
3: shooting guard.
0: Luka, Bradley, Bradley
3: Beal. Beal. Oh, Devin Booker, Luka.
0: I, I think he's better than Devin Booker. I truly do
3: oh jesus
0: oh. no nah, booker's uh,
3: more consistent but right now
1: mean, i'm taking i think booker's more consistent but donovan's athleticism is ridiculous um no one ever pays it attention how big his fucking vertical is for a six foot one guy um i mean i've always loved of louisville but he's just so explosive and that's what just um gets him around so many teams
0: i i just i think he might honestly be top four Maybe I'm missing a whole bunch of guys, and I probably am. And by the time we stop filming this part of this episode, I'll go back and realize that I'm missing half the guys in the league. I always do that. Jake, I'm going to ask you the same question. Where does Donovan Mitchell rank?
3: In terms of shooting guards or just like all the players? I mean I either. I, I, well, I think it's just. I think like, he's a top five shooting guard. I think he's like, again, he's behind Booker in top four. You can make an argument for Booker. Just the way he's been playing, he dropped 51 today, like 50, what was it, 53 51, the other day?
0: 57.
3: 57. 57. He's playing out of his damn mind. He really and is. And he is that whole team. Yeah, Rudy a little bit. But, again, it's one of those things where, and player-wise, uh, top 12 maybe? Top 12 in the league? Yes. Yeah. Jesus! Come nice. nice.
0: the Braves! Yep. Okay.
3: Um, Alright, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure miscounting my, uh, a little bit, but
1: I think we're going off recent like a little too much right now.
3: Yes, yeah, very recent. Okay. okay, I'm gonna run
2: down my top ten shooting guard list. Number one, James Harden. Number two, Luca. Number three, Clay Thompson. Number four, Paul George. Number five, Bradley Beal. Number six, Devin Booker. Seven's Donovan. Eight, Zach Levine. Nine, McCollum. Ten, Jalen Brown. Does anybody where's disagree Where's O.J. Barrett? Where's O.J.
3: Barrett? Oh man, uh, probably in the twenty
0: fives. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Duncan Robinson? The guy. disrespect. No, yeah,
2: if Clay's healthy, he's better than Donovan Mitchell, no doubt. But like if the Paul's thing George is, is good. He's better than Donovan Mitchell.
0: These guys yeah. haven't been like quite. Like, or excuse me, Clay Thompson hasn't healthy. So, like I think if we're talking just this season alone, he's absolutely top five.
1: It is yeah. impressive, though. Well, yeah, it's impressive with how Donovan is doing with this with his jazz team right now. Because I mean, Jake wasn't wrong when he said. Um, not on defense necessarily, but on offense. He really is this whole team. Um, Mike Conley has just recently stepped it up, but up until like then, he's he's been very underwhelming. Uh, Rudy Gobert isn't someone you look to on offense. Uh, Bogdanovich, who was really solid for them, is out. So he's really being expected to really do what Luke is doing in Dallas and run the whole offense, and he's doing a
0: really good job with it. Jordan Clarkson might be that team's second-best offensive player right now. And that's more concerning than we almost make it out to be. Because as good as a player as Jordan Clarkson is, he should not be your second offensive player. I mean, that that's just... I think at this point, that's almost a fact. Like, he's a good player. He should not be your second best offensive player.
2: Yeah, obviously he's a great scorer, but if he's your number two option, that's not a good thing for a playoff team trying to compete.
0: Yeah, I mean... Maybe – I'm interested to see how the rest of this series plays out because I think Denver will provide some kind of push. And I could see this going to a Game 7. Like I don't think this series is a wrap as people might make it out to be. But I'm interested to see not only in this series but what happens in the next series against either Dallas or uh, L.A. I, I think that it's just going to be interesting see what the Jazz or the Nuggets can do. Uh, does anyone have else anything? Or does anyone have um, else have anything else to add before we go on to the the elephant in the room? I think the thing that we're all going to have opinions on the the team in. We're just going to go to that later. So, does anyone else have anything to add on this uh,
2: yeah. series? I, I have one question for everybody. Um, if you are the Jazz, well, let's start with Jazz. If you are the Jazz, do you give Rudy Gobert the Super Max?
1: No, not even close.
2: No, not even no, close. no.
1: Not in this NBA.
2: Okay, let's say if you are a team, like, I don't know, a 7 to 10 seed, maybe in the East, do you give Rudy Gobert a four-year max contract? No. No. Not at all. Mm-mm. If I was the Charlotte no. Hornets, I'd, I'd give Rudy a max contract.
0: Really? I don't think the Charlotte no. Hornets' need immediate need right now is the center who clogs the paint. I
2: mean... I'm, ju- I'm just saying... Um, he's the same for example. Clark's a pain on defense as well. If you want to make the playoffs in the East, give Rudy a max, and you'll make the playoffs for the next four years. Simple. No matter what team you put him on in the East, he's making the
0: playoffs. I mean, yeah, making the playoffs, but is it worth making the playoffs for being a first-round exit every year?
2: Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll probably be a first-round exit, but I'm saying if, if an East team wants to compete that hasn't in a very long time, I think Rudy bear up.
0: I think the biggest fear for fans of those kind of teams is going to be a team where a GM knows that he's on a short leash and he has to make a move and he's going to offer that to Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert is a defensive player of the year candidate. But I, I, like, I don't think he's worth a, super, a max or a super max. I don't think he's worth anywhere near that. Just because he doesn't offer much outside of the paint. He doesn't offer anything outside of the paint. I mean, if, if you put him outside the paint, he's a traffic cone. So, I, I just don't think it's worth it.
2: Fair enough. Just want to throw it out there to see if anybody had an opinion. But we can move on to the the elephant in the next room. series. <laughs> the the poor poor team. Yes.
0: Yeah, so let's just let's let's just get into it. The Philadelphia seventy sixers uh, are not that great of a basketball team in the playoffs this year. Uh, A 4-0 sweep to the hands of the Boston Celtics. 110-106 win for the Boston Celtics in Game 4. The Celtics were led by the Kemba Walker-Jason Tatum combination, who scored 32 and 28 points respectively, while the Philadelphia 76ers got pretty much nothing outside of Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. And shockingly, you're not going to win a series if that happens. Does anyone else? Have, does anyone have anything to say on the Celtics before we get to the obvious team here? I
3: was is the... dead wrong, dead wrong. Oh, I really? Said seven, <laughs> I said yeah. Uh, I said Sixers and seven, and um, didn't go quite that way. Um, but you know, it happens. And um, I mean, good job by the Celtics. Jason Tatum played very well. Um, but I hope they lose next round.
0: I like, honestly. <laughs> My, I mean, that's a tough series for them against the Toronto Raptors. I think the Raptors win in seven, I think. So, I, I do want to say this before we get to this point, and I would just like to uh, preface this by saying I'm too happy right now. Uh, I would like to read a couple tweets from FHL Sixers Nation. Oh, I hope no. the beaches and warm weather are worth winning 20 to 30 games a year, add to Jimmy Butler, would say see you in the playoffs. <laughs> but probably won't be doing that either. Enjoy the rest of your career-long vacation. Should we remind everyone who's likely going to the second round of the NBA playoffs and the team that is being out of the bubble in the next few days? Um, and then the next tweet. Jimmy Butler chose being, chose being the quote-unquote guy on an eight-seed Miami uh, over being one of the two main options on the East's best team. And forming a big two in L.A. with the guy who just carried the Raptors to a title. Butler is a losing player. That's a fact. Not taking questions at this time. That was tweeted on July 9th, 2019.
3: When they, when they got him, I'm sure he was <laughs> pumping his tires.
0: They were all right pumping away. their tires. Because let's not remember, let's not forget... The reason why they were probably in that situation last year where they were a game away from potentially making the NBA Finals was because of Jimmy Butler. But again, I'm just not going to parade myself to death. Uh, I want to ask about the Philadelphia 76ers because that's the team we all care about right now. Or at least that's a story here. What do they do? What's the next step for the Philadelphia 76ers on this road to trying to win an NBA Finals? I think
3: you got a clean house. You got to fire Brown and Brand today. It's midnight. It should have happened two days ago. <laughs> should happen. Should happen as soon as the buzzer hits zero. You know. Um, yeah. Brett Brown. I, agree more. I wasn't finished. <laughs> Brett Brown was the perfect okay. coach for the process, but now they need a. He's not the guy for the after process. So they got to find that guy. They also need a new GM. Paying Al Horford just discord. Paying Al Horford all that money. <laughs> Uh, the Tobias contract, um, you know, not
0: what you want. So I I, I do actually have something for this. The uh, I have every single transaction Elton Brandt has made as the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers beginning on September 18th, 2018. I'd like to go over some notables. Uh, traded Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, Landry Schemette, A 2020 first-round pick, a 2021 first-round pick, and two second-round picks to the Clippers for Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, and Mike Scott. Uh, The next day, on February 7th, 2019, that first one was on February 6th, 2019, he traded Markel Fultz to the Orlando Magic for Jonathan Simmons and a second-round pick, which was Carson Edwards, so they didn't even make that pick. And a 2020 first-round pick which with some heavy protections. That's uh, too much to read. Uh, then they – later, the Jimmy Butler trade, which was – or I think that was actually earlier. The Jimmy Butler trade that sent Jared Bayless, Robert Covington, and Dario Saric to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Jimmy Butler. And then, of course, the the trade that I think a lot of people are going to note – The four-team trade where the Philadelphia 76ers traded Jimmy Butler to the Miami Heat. They traded Matthias Lasort to the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers traded cash to the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat traded a 2023 first-round pick to the Los Angeles Clippers. Blah, blah, blah. The Heat traded Josh Richardson, and the Portland Trail Blazers got Hassan Whiteside in that deal. This has been a really bad tenure for Elton Brand. And not because just of... Trades, but also giving Tobias Harris the max, giving Al Horford a lot of money. Those two contracts look untradeable at this point. Like, I don't see how a team – what team trades for Tobias Harris on this contract that he has? What team trades for Al Horford on this contract he has? Because I don't see a team that wants that guy like that at that kind of money. I mean, that's just insane. I'll say it now. I think the
1: process is coming gone. Um, This offseason was so crucial for them. Uh, I was going to say there's a lot of things that are toxic about the Sixers organization Um, whether it comes to Brett Brown's inability to coach in the playoffs um, the whole Jimmy Butler saga with Brett Brown and Joel Embiid Ben Simmons getting injured still not being able to learn a jump shot but the most toxic of them all has to be Elgin Brand's tenure you have I mean let's just think of it this way how many teams get blessed with two potential superstars and are unable to get past the second round. Uh, it's it, not, not even just superstars; young superstars. You have taken a team with two max contracts and built a team that cannot and has not learned to play together. It's on a lot of things. It's on the coaching as well. Um, as Jake said, I think Brett Brown is. I think that's the only reason why Brett Brown hasn't been fired yet, because the Sixers owe him a lot of respect. Um. He did do a very good job to get them back into playoff fighting situation, but he's not the right coach anymore. I mean, you've built a team that can't play together. Al Warford, that might might actually be the worst contract in the NBA. He has been awful for them. He struggled to even earn minutes. He's only earned minutes because Simmons isn't playing anymore because he's injured. And he has been terrible throughout. He has not coexisted with Embiid. Harris can't coexist with Embiid. Embiid can't coexist with Simmons. Like, this team is a mess. It's really
0: shocking. So I think the question I'll ask now, and I'll leave this up to anyone who wants to start this off. Do you consider trading one of Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons? And which one are you trading if you're considering trading one of them?
3: Yes. Yes. Which one? Yes. Yes. I'm trading Joel Embiid. Um,
0: nah, I disagree.
3: Nah, I'm going to trade Simmons. All right.
2: Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Let him mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Um, Joel Embiid has stuff to be the most talented player in the NBA. I feel like we can all agree about that. He doesn't care enough. I don't know if he ever will. He really doesn't seem like he wants to win. I think he's okay with being a top three center when he could honestly be the best player in the NBA. Um. It, it's hard to pick against him, obviously, but I love Simmons' stuff. He's obviously going to be great. Hopefully he learns how to shoot a jump shot eventually. But
3: Kyle looks with, so confused right now. oh my no, Lord. No, no,
1: no. I just dis, I disagree with you. For that same reason that you gave on Embiid, literally about everything else, I disagree with you on that. So yeah. you say Embiid doesn't – like, do we not remember Embiid literally crying off Toronto's court after losing?
2: Okay. Um – why is Embiid taking the same amount of shot attempts as Alec Burks?
1: Yeah, he's when not. When Alec Burks match- is posting up a lot of shots. The matchup
2: is Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor.
1: Did he Why not is Did s- he not still have 30 points in 3 of the 4 That's games not in 26 That's not Yes,
0: but the, the fact of the matter is a guy like Joel yeah. Embiid should not be taking 18 shots a game. That I I, wanna, he should he should be taking 24 25 shots a game. I I hate to be that guy, but he should. Guy, be I want to finish. I want to finish on this. Also, look at how many times Embiid gets to the line.
1: Um, he had 12 free throw attempts in at least every game. He had 18 today, 16 in Game Three. Both games he had 30 points. So it's not like he's not trying on offense. And okay, so we're going to say that Ben, or we're going to say that Joel Embiid does not care about winning. Ben Simmons, literally everybody knows how to guard him now, and the one thing that he needs to learn how to do. Is shoot, and he has not learned how to shoot in four seasons. I'm counting the season that he didn't play. It's ridiculous. Like you have all the talent in the world, you can potentially be like. We were comparing him to Magic Johnson in his rookie year. People were comparing Ben Simmons to the next Magic Johnson. Well, those
0: those comparisons were a little bullshit, first of all. But
1: with how big he is, and literally the one thing that is holding him back, he refuses to learn how to do. Take three pointers. Learn three-pointers. Even if you're a 30% shooter, it forces teams to guard you. It opens so much around for your team. He is not learning how to do it. I don't know whether Brett Brown isn't teaching him enough. It could be a coaching thing. Again, it could be a mentality thing. But that's – I don't understand why you trade him um, and beat over Simmons if, if – if I can't speak anymore. That's just how flabbergasted I am. If Simmons can't learn how to do the one thing that he needs to do to win.
0: All right, Jackson, uh, Which are you trading either of them and which one are you trading if you are?
4: Uh, I'm trading Joel Embiid oh, yeah. uh, because most reasons that Tommy said, and also in my opinion, you can't win in this NBA with with the center or a big man as your main as your main star. In my opinion. I just don't think you can. I think Simmons. I get okay. You can't shoot. But he can do so many other things besides that. If you get the right players around him, and it take it's going to be take a while for them to not not about a while, but it take a while for them to figure out. I guess. But if you get the right players around him. And you kind of like run the offense through him, like intrinsically him, like instead of like what they're doing now, where it's like Embiid and him. You can figure it out, and I think you could win a title or at least make the NBA finals. Like I love Embiid; I think he could be the best player in the league, which I think he already is. And obviously, I don't think he would be the best player in the league, like Tommy said, but he can be even more dominant than he already is. But yeah, I don't think you can win with a big man as your main star, in my opinion. But
0: yeah, Jake, uh, I don't think you've actually given your actual answer. So if you want to, here's your. Choice. But
3: I think I think they should trade Simmons. Um, I think they just need to keep Embiid. I think he's the centerpiece of that organization, and and get a ton of value back. And they'll be better off if you trade Simmons. So I definitely think he needs to explore and trade for both. But if I'm picking, I would trade Simmons. Basically, yeah, just based on value and what I'm getting back, and just I would just keep Embiid just because
0: of how good he is. So, I want to do this, and I have actually thought about this pretty much all day today. And I haven't actually began the point of where I actually began exploring trade options for both, but I thought about it this way. When we talk about the NBA right now, and we talk about what we look for in NBA players, it is a lot of a few things. We look for shooting, we look for playmaking, and we look for height. We look for a guy who is tall, who is athletic, who is... Able to change games in different ways. I think there is no player who fits that mold better than Ben Simmons does. And so if I'm trying to build a team around one of these two guys and trying to make the NBA championship and trying to win the NBA championship, because that is the ultimate goal of all of this, I am trading Joel Embiid because I don't think Joel Embiid, you don't you can't win in this modern day NBA with a center. You just can't. Exactly. Teams don't win yep. the modern NBA with a center, even a guy like Bam Adebayo, who is very much a weird like. Uh, yeah, and Jake, Jake's throwing a plus minus because it's funny, but uh, he's he's done this every day for the last six years. But anyways, um, I just I, I I think that like when we talk about centers, Nikola Jokic, Bam Adebayo, Carl Anthony Towns, and Joel Embiid, the four centers who are who are maybe the quote-unquote modern-day NBA centers. They can shoot, they can spread the floor, they can play in the post, but I don't think the Nuggets are winning with uh, jo- Nikola Jokic. The Timberwolves aren't winning with the, uh, Carl Anthony Towns. They just got the first overall freaking pick. And the Miami Heat right now are winning to an extent with Bam Adebayo, but I don't know what the ceiling is with Bam Adebayo. And you need a star who can do more. So I think that, like, And this is going to sound completely outrageous, and I can't believe I'm about to say this. Who is saying that Ben Simmons can't become a baby Giannis Antetokounmpo? Who is saying that Ben Simmons, with the right coach, with the right uh, development, cannot become Giannis? Giannis can't shoot, and we consider Giannis to be one of the best players in the NBA because he can do so much else. He can score off the dribble. He's lengthy. He can grab rebounds. He can create game-changing plays. So yes, Ben Simmons can't shoot, but put four shooters around him. You know, let him drive, let him kick. His playmaking ability is unmatched. For a guy who is six foot ten to maybe potentially seven foot, because he does not look like six foot ten at points, his playmaking ability is unmatched. And I think that if you put him behind or with a coach that can do more than Brett Brown is, and that's no disrespect to Brett Brown, I thought what he did to get the team out of that process mantra and to the point of making the playoffs was impeccable but it's it's a lot like the nfl where a guy will make the playoffs for three straight seasons but not do anything after that so you have to fire him because you have to try to take that next step i think that to an extent ben simmons is the perfect guy you want to win a championship with has he done it yet no but i think like at some point you have to consider him to be the best option for that
1: no yeah um yeah, no. You guys are convincing me otherwise. Um, I'm not going to change my answer quite yet, but I am going to follow up on what I said earlier. This all falls on Elton Brand. You had this entire offseason to build a roster around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, which were obviously going to be your two core pieces going forward. You chose to not pay Jimmy Butler, someone who your team was winning with. Well, actually,
0: uh, actually I think we should be fair to Elton Brand right here supposedly they did offer Jimmy Butler the max. He wanted to go to Miami. That was his dream the whole time.
1: Here's the other thing. But the thing that came out today that said Brett Brown and Jimmy Butler didn't want to work together, um, I get you shouldn't necessarily think that a player is bigger than the organization. But at that point, all the stuff that came out with how Joel Embiid was upset with Elton Brand for getting rid of Jimmy Butler, you had to consider moving on from Brett Brown there um, because Brett Brown clearly wasn't getting – You know, he was getting great numbers out of Ben Simmons. He was getting great performances, but it wasn't enough. And then you look at the two players that he paid this offseason. Tobias Harris shot very poorly from beyond the arc when he came over to Philadelphia. Uh, If you look at his numbers from L.A., he shoots 43%, 41%. He shoots 32% last year. And then he shoots 36% this season. Al Horford, I don't even want to talk about. Those two contracts should have been given – to players like Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Utah Jazz and then another shooter because I do agree. That's what's it, – it, Simmons is being hindered because not only can he not shoot, team around him can't shoot. So, again, I think this all falls on Elton Brand for not firing Brett Brown, not finding a way to get the best out of Simmons, not getting the best out of this roster. That's where I want to leave it.
0: So let's, let's ask this question. I think this is an important question to ask. This is a critical offseason for the Philadelphia 76ers – and not just because of where we sit from a standpoint of, you know, what do you do with Elton Brand or what do you do with Brett Brown or what do you do with one of Joel and Beater Ben Simmons, but you have to build a team around someone. So what do you do if you're the let's, – let's, let's say you guys get hired to be the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers and you are tasked with this almost herculean task of trying to win a championship with this team in an ever-growing East with a great Giannis Antetokounmpo-led Milwaukee Bucks. I just really love saying the name Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, A Toronto Raptors team with one of the best head coaches in the NBA. A Boston Celtics team with a lot of talent. A Miami Heat team with a lot of talent. So where you're almost fit as the fifth-best team in the East, the sixth-best team in the East. What are you doing as the general manager to try and get out of this situation? Let's be realistic here. You're not trading Al Horford's contract. This is an NBA 2K where you can throw a second round pick on him and get freaking Michael Porter Jr. for free. I mean, this is this is real life, and no team is going to offer you that. So, what do you do if you're the general manager of the Philadelphia 76 Sixers?
1: I think you're stuck. Honestly, I think you're yeah. <laughs> resign. Resign. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many problems with this organization. It's hard to even just. It's yeah. hard to just start. I, th- I think.
2: I think the former player become GM. Thing has to end for like every team. I
0: think I, I don't think, think an extent it works. I think it works to an extent when if you have a guy. So like the Miami Heat have a guy like Shane Battier in the waiting to be that general manager, but that's because he was he's a Duke graduate who is insanely smart, and everyone know everyone in the NBA knows he's insanely smart. Like Brand there there Duke. has to be a, a a pinpoint to where you go. You know if you're a former player you have to be able to do more than just be a formal player i mean you have to be well regarded i don't know maybe elton brand was and maybe you know he showed enough in uh, different roles and you know in his interview to – i don't want to say that maybe he wasn't like smart or anything because that's not fair to him but he failed as a general he's failed as a general manager of the philadelphia 76ers there's no other way around that and so I, I, think I just like if anyone actually has an idea on what they do because you're you're screwed. I mean you're you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You have uh, so let's 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 do it this way. Is this the toughest situation in the NBA right now to try and fix? Ooh,
2: um, well, I think the Kings are up there, but it, it, it's probably number two. Well, here's number one. You know what?
1: I genuinely make the argument. Yes, um, I think you're right. There's easily worse teams. Think about the market you're in. <laughs> One of the best, you know, you can have your opinions about Sam Inky. Sam Inky was changing the franchise around. He got booed out of that job for not winning. You cannot not try and win in Philadelphia. Um, So this might actually be the hardest one because of the atmosphere you're in.
0: So I have an actual trade idea on what the the, the Philadelphia 76ers should do, and this is going to sound insane. I think you need to kick the tires on Andrew Wiggins and the second overall pick. You need to go to the Golden State Warriors and ask them, what is it going to take to take that Andrew Wiggins contract and get the second overall pick? And honestly, as crazy as it sounds, maybe you consider starting the package with one of Joel Embiid or one of Ben Simmons. The best way to kickstart a team, getting a second overall pick. If you draft well with that second overall pick, this class isn't as good as other classes have been. But you have LaMelo Ball, you have James Wiseman, you have Anthony Edwards potentially. Excuse me. This is a good enough draft class, and Andrew Wiggins is to an extent where that contract is a one-year contract where you can reset it after that, and you could potentially reset yourself into a situation where the 2021 free agency class, which everyone has talked about as arguably the best free agency class ever with Giannis and Kawhi Leonard potentially and Victor Oladipo and all these other guys who are very good at basketball. I don't know why Victor Oladipo is included in the same sentence as Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kawhi Leonard. But I I think like maybe you start kicking the tires on a deal like that and just seeing if maybe you do a mini reset because you're not winning with the current core you have. I mean, it's been proven. I mean, even if you have Ben Simmons, you're not beating the Celtics in the series. Maybe you win a game or two, but is it worth it in the long run? I think maybe you consider trading with the Warriors and trying to get that second overall pick, Andrew Wiggins, and seeing if maybe you can get uh, some extra value in there. I think that's not an outrageous idea.
4: Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I think a team I could see targeting him would be the Wizards. I don't know, the know why Wizards, I, I think
0: pieces. I think I think if you're trading with the Wizards you have to take John Wall's contract. And that is the biggest question mark in basketball cuz he hasn't played in what two years and he had yeah. an Achilles injury and we've seen players not be able to recover from those fully and so I think like at some point I think that like a, jo- a John Wall's a good idea. Even a Buddy Hield, you know Buddy Hield's not worth the contract he has, but he offers some actual value. So I think that maybe you actually consider a deal like that as well. I just think you well, had to get creative now as the GM. I mean, you're you're well, stuck in a situation where you have to be.
4: What about Beal? I mean, think you get Beal in that deal. Uh, I don't
0: think Beal's going to be traded. I think that you extended Beal that with rhymes. the assumption. I think you traded or you re-signed Beal to that big contract with the assumption that he's staying long term and that you're building the team around him.
4: Yeah, but I'd I trade Bradley Beal for DeJuan So, but I like, know. I I don't I don't think that
0: like. I think like another team, and this is gonna sound completely outrageous, and ha ha ha! I said it. I think the Miami Heat should kick the tires on Joel Embiid, and maybe you consider starting the package off with the picks that you have remaining. Maybe I don't want to, but maybe you include a Tyler Hero or something because I think that, like the best, the best fit for Bam Adebayo in the front court is Joel Embiid. So I, mean, I think that's just that's kind of a fact at this point. I think.
2: Um, yeah. one team that we haven't brought up that I think is the perfect fit for Joel Embiid is the Boston Celtics. I feel like they have the uh, they have the players that
0: I I just don't um, think you offer. have the value that you used to have with Joel. No, yeah. To get Joel, I don't think you have the value that you used to have because remember everyone everyone preached that the reason why they would make the big trade for I think it was like Andre Drummond or Anthony Davis or something was because they had the, the 16,000 first-round picks. Those first-round picks were almost all come and gone, and you're now left with kind of the remnants of that So, I mean, I, I don't think you can really form a trade to catch a guy like Joel Embiid. Unless you're including a Jalen Brown. Jalen
2: Brown, Marcus Smart, a uh, first for Joel. Who says no?
0: I feel like Boston says no in that case.
2: Really? I'm taking Embiid for that. I think it works perfectly for both to give— the Sixers, a scorer that can shoot, fills the need. The Celtics can afford losing him. Obviously, Marcus Smart's a tough loss, but the return of Joel Embiid, you still got Hayward, Tatum, and Kemba Walker. Now you get Embiid on that roster. Easily, East favorites. Anybody else have an opinion on that? Because I think that's the perfect trade for both teams. No, I,
0: I agree. I agree.
3: I, I yeah, just, I, I, would take, I would take that deal, absolutely.
0: I, I just think that like the reason why they won't do it is because... We've seen the growth of Jalen Brown. Boston loves Marcus Smart. I mean, he is the perfect sixth man for that team with his defensive ability and the sum scoring that he offers. And we've seen the success that they were able to have without a true center. Uh, Daniel Theis isn't that great, and Ennis Cantor is bad. I mean, so I, like, I don't think they'd make a big-time trade like that to get to a center like Joel Embiid if you have to give up that much of your actual scoring depth. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Danny Ainge gets wide eyes and gets gets happy, but I, I don't know. I just don't see the value there long term.
2: Do you not think that that makes him the heavy favorite in the East?
0: I don't necessarily think it does. No,
2: no, it totally would. It totally. Ooh, totally who's would. better than Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, and, and
0: Kemba. Kemba Walker? I, um, I think Milwaukee team. is. I think we've seen what Milwaukee, Milwaukee? can be. Milwaukee, what? Yeah, because wow. you don't you don't we, have we, a Giannis we talking, stopper. We were talking, jo- okay. I thought the
2: Sixers were a favorite coming into this year to come out of the East. The Celtics obviously have a better team than the Sixers, not counting Embiid. If you had Embiid on the Celtics and only have to give up Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, I'd pull the trigger I so fast. I don't
0: think they are the heavy favorites, though. I think that they'd probably end up being the favorites, but we can't count out a team like Milwaukee.
2: I mean... I'm counting them out. I, I, well, uh, we've Celtics seen, might sweep through that East. We've
0: seen the... Bit. Capabilities Sweet, That's bold. That is also bold because I mean let's maybe, just maybe look at one or two losses let's, along the way. Let's also just look at some of the teams that provide challenges in the case of just being a team with a lot of potential. So you have the Toronto Raptors, who are arguably, I think at this point have one of the best coaches in basketball. And um I think you have you have a star and they've proven that they don't need true stars to play at this level. And then I think to a to a lesser extent, that isn't as as high. Maybe the team like the Miami Heat, just because of how aggressive they play and how well they can shoot, they're capable of beating any team on any given night. I don't think it'd be that easy for the Boston Celtics just because they have a lot of talent. I, I I just don't think that like that's the case anymore. I'd be your
4: favorite, but I also I think you're discounting how good Joel Embiid is though a little bit too right now.
0: No, I, 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 just, I, sure, maybe I'm discounting Joel Embiid because I just don't really like Joel Embiid, and that's probably fair. But I also don't think that, like, they're an, a heavy favorites like you want to claim they are. I mean, the East is getting tougher, and a team not, like the Milwaukee Bucks are getting better. And a team yeah, like I mean, the Miami I mean, Heat I mean, has two games, yet. but... Yeah. I,
1: here's, I, the one, here's the one thing I'm concerned about, if you do hypothetically trade Joel Embiid to Boston for Jalen Brown. Um, I think... I think what Tommy said was right. Um, In terms of value, you do pull a trigger with Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart for when you already have Gordon Hayward. But the problem that I have, if you pull that trigger, something that I don't think we've touched on enough because we've been focused on how much of a shit show the Sixers are, the Boston Celtics play for each other. They are – they have a plan. They have a great coach, and they all play for one another, and they all create for one another, and they've been great this whole series. They've been great this whole season. If you flip Jalen Brown now, you're talking about you got you kind of got to get used to do some new chemistry issues. And sure, that might fly over quickly when you have someone as good as Joel Embiid. But I think we gotta we got to at least consider that because the whole Ben oh – no, I almost said Ben Simmons, sorry. Uh, the whole Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker chemistry, they might not – on paper, they might not be the greatest three players in the league. They, on the court, coexist perfectly. You throw Joel Embiid in that mix, and we don't know. We really don't know. We haven't seen Joel Embiid outside of Philadelphia, which, as we've said, is a very weird situation with how that roster is built. But it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting, to say the least. So it also, I also would feel weird.
0: I also want to add to the fact that the reason why I don't think a trade like that would happen is because if you make a trade like that, we talked about this before, think about the climate that a team – like Milwaukee – or Milwaukee? Why do I keep saying Milwaukee? Uh, Philadelphia is in. You are in a situation where you have to win. And if you trade your best player or your second best player to a team that directly affects your chances of winning, a good fucking luck getting fans to buy into that. We saw the shit that happened in the process where 12 fans were in the stadium or 15 fans were in the stadium. Good luck doing it when a team like Boston is – you made them better. I, like, I just don't think that's worth it for them. I, I think that like if you're trading either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, you have to trade them out west. You have to get them away from you as quickly as possible, not closer to you. I, I, I just don't think that it's like a long-term smart thing to trade a guy like that inter-conference or even inter-division in that case. I mean, because uh, what worse way to try and kill your team's franchise chances than trading your best player to a team that directly affects your chances? I mean, that's just that's just freaking insane. That's insane to think that you do that. So, I, I think that like just overall, you have to you have to trade Joel Embiid to the uh, the uh, the West, the West, the Western Conference, that conference, the the other conference. So, I, I think that. You just have to – you have to trade him to the other conference just so that they don't directly affect you. I, I just think that's facts. I only speak facts. Uh, so does anyone else have anything else to add about the NBA before we end this episode and then I think next episode I we'll talk? Next, I hate the Knicks. I hate the Knicks. What the Knicks do now?
3: So the draft lottery happened. Oh, and we're not gonna we're not gonna talk much about the draft. I just wanna have a little short note about the next So they they were projected to have the sixth best odds, right? So that means you get you should get the sixth or better pick, right? Yeah. Right? That's usually, usually what should happen. Okay. So what happens is they get pick eight instead. And Leon Rose, the GM, <laughs> was smiling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think to... I think he was smiling because he kind of has to for the TVs. It's I appreciate it. it. It's a smile of disbelief. I, I do it all the time. I, I I don't think he's happy that his team dropped two spots. I don't think he's like, let's go, we dropped two spots, baby. We don't have to pay our rookie as much. Let's go. I don't
1: think he's doing that. It's a smile of disbelief. It's like um, it just. A bit of insight when the Zambian Buccaneers lost to the New York Giants this year, and Matt Gay misses an absolute chip shot. The first thing I could do is smile. Like, like that's so fucking fitting, isn't it?
0: That was the it's best like, thing a ever.
1: Quarterback like that.
0: That was the best thing ever. I love that moment. Um,
1: yeah, one last thing I want to add. I still don't know how to say your last name, Arthur. But our new GM, uh, Pre- Vice President of Basketball Operations. Thank you. We got the fourth pick, which is crucial in this draft. Um, please, Denny Avidja. I don't know if I'm saying his name right
0: either. You probably. I really are. should learn how to say his name. Honestly, these names, I probably don't pronounce his name. But either.
1: please him. Please him.
0: I, I almost okay. So I want to end this episode. Wait, you don't know how to? Oh my god! I just saw his name. Um, it, it, I'm just I'm calling him Denny uh, for
1: now. I'm calling him Denny until we get until we get closer to the chat. So job. I think, please Denny.
0: I think the way you pronounce your new GM's name is Arturas. Karnasovas. God, I butchered that completely, and I apologize back. to everyone. Yeah, no, the Bulls yeah. are back. Uh, trade Zach Levine to the Miami Heat, and we will give you Myers Leonard and Kelly Olenek. Deal? Deal. Nice talk. Um, under, old, under old regime, that would have been a deal. That's still a deal. I think that's a great trade for the, the Chicago Bulls. Anyways, thank you for listening to the Unfiltered Podcast. Uh, You can follow the podcast on Twitter at UnfilteredCast1. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, and I'm trying to add us all into all the other ones, but it's becoming a lot harder than it should. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Make sure to stay safe. I'm going to keep saying this wear your damn masks and don't party on a college campus because I'd like to have college football. Anyways, thanks for listening, and uh, remember uh, to wear your masks.